Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Hallelujah. So, we're here to strategize to take United Kingdom for God. Are you ready to do that? And I will just lay the foundation tonight for the amazing things you will receive tomorrow. I want you to come like a sponge. You're ready to soak it in. Because you will be so blessed. Amen, somebody. Amen. I want to start by asking and answering a question. What can God do with broken altars? That's not the title of my sermon, but I want to start there. What can God do with broken altars? You see, the Bible tells us that Abraham encountered God. And I don't know where he learned it. But he came up with this spiritual, religious mechanism or idea, whatever you call it, to commemorate the encounter that he had with God. He raised an altar. Raised an altar. Because in that place where the altar was raised, God spoke to him. That place had become sacred. That place had become special. But then, you know, time passed. He had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. About 100 years after, maybe more, in one of the most phenomenal examples of Kairos. You hear me talk about Kairos or divine coincidences. Jacob was sojourning and happened to stop at the very place where Abraham encountered God. And he saw what appeared to be stones, not knowing that it was the remnant of the altar of his grandfather. Come on, are you with me? The remnant of the altar of his grandfather. So what do you do? When fathers have raised altars that children did not know about, what do you do? When altars are broken, what can God do about it? Well, one thing you shouldn't do is sleep on it. Jacob was tired. He couldn't differentiate the stone from any other stone. So he laid on it for a bed. But in the night, he saw a vision. Angels ascending and descending on a ladder. A ladder from heaven touched that very point where he was sleeping. It was not an ordinary place. This was a portal. God had touched the earth from heaven at that very place. And he woke up at last and said... God was in this place, and I knew it not. Listen, it is possible for God to still be committed to a nation and you don't know. Because one thing you need to know about God is he doesn't forget. He doesn't forget. He is faithful to his word. And so, because of his promise to Abraham, he woke up one day, 
Excuse that analogy. Of course, God doesn't sleep. You know, but one day, the Bible says, God heard the cries of the Israelites and remembered his promise to Abraham. Now, all the Israelites had strayed from him. They didn't know him. Moses had to reintroduce him. But it didn't matter. Because of his word to Abraham, he was still going to be faithful to his grandchildren. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm saying, listen, so when you look at a nation like this, with a robust history of genuine revival, great men that you read about, studied about, like John Wesley, or the Welsh revival in 1904, happened in this nation. And you're wondering what is happening when you go out there, you don't see anything that reminds you that God once moved in the streets. In the Welsh revival, 100,000 people were added to the church in six months. 100,000. What does God do with broken altars? I'm here to announce to you, God is faithful to his promise, faithful to his word. And if revival happened anywhere before, it can happen again. In fact, I announced to you in the afternoon prophetically that this country still has the infrastructure of revival. We just need to learn to rebuild the altars. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when Jacob woke up, he carried those stones, rebuilt an altar, anointed it. He rebuilt the altar. United Kingdom must rebuild altars. The assurance we have in the word of God is if you do what the fathers did, you will see what they saw. The infrastructure is still right there. You see, when a lot of people are reading about Elijah and his contest with the prophets of Baal, they miss one very important detail, that when it was his own turn, the first thing he said, he said, rebuild the altars, repair the altars. Look at 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30, as fast as possible, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30. All right. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Oh my God. Listen, I'm here as a prophet tonight to say repair the altar. Come on, are you with me? So the first thing he did is he summoned the people. And that's what we're doing tonight. God is summoning his people. If you repair the altar, fire like of old will fall again. Let's repair the altar. How do you repair the altar? With teaching, with, by re-emphasizing the things that built the altar in the first place. That's how. Re-emphasis. That's why we're here. I am telling you, revival is cheap. Don't Never, oh my God, you need to renew your mind of the general notions of revival that God just decided to do something and then he did it for a while and stopped. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of the Bible. What is revival? It is God responding to the commitment of people. When people gather together, you know what the Bible says? He says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I mean, it's, it's just like the same way you have scientific experiments. When you mix this and this, this is the result. All right? When you 
put red litmus paper in acid. This is the color. This is the result. So now God is telling you, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Unmistakable. Anywhere you don't see God, men stop seeking. It's so simple. This is, I mean, if that's all. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. Never make it as though everybody is just seeking, but God chose not to move. And then once in a while, he just flashes us with possibilities and goes. It's not true. It's not true. And every revival that has ever happened, there was a predictable process. In fact, someone who is experienced in the things of God can look at people and say, ah, something is, is, something is going to happen. There is a way you summon the things of God <laughs> in the vicinity. It can happen. It can happen. Study all the revivals. Study Azusa. That people came together, they were praying every day because, you know, the, the person at the spearhead, you know, of the revival read Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, as, and he says, and as they were praying, the place where they were, were filled with the Spirit, you know, and, and they spoke with, with the Spirit in, in, in other tongues, he, he, you know, it, it shot in his bones like a fire. He wanted it, and he knew that the Bible can be trusted to reproduce it in his day. And so they were praying every day. And then one day, that's how it happens. That's what is about to happen in this nation. Come on, I said, that's what is about to happen in this nation. And you, you are so blessed to be able to say, I was there. Mark my words. You see, the things God is doing with us, Generations will tell about it. Yes, sir. The revival will be older than all of us. It will outlive all of us. When we are done, our children will carry the torch. Oh my God. They will carry the torch. You know, when Paul is writing to Timothy and he said, I have observed that the same faith in you was in your mother and grandmother. Three generations of faith. Ah, my God. You know, I said it on Sunday. All generations shall call you blessed. Your name will become identifiable with a raw spiritual encounter. Come on, are you with me? Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So shall it be. There is, there is how to reproduce these things. And so the title of this sermon is actually how to start a fire of revival. How to start a fire of revival. And I'm going to move as fast as possible. You know, first and foremost, just um, so that we're on the same page, you need to understand that God uses the natural as a reference for the supernatural. If you study the way teaching is done in the Bible... Many times he used the natural as a reference for the supernatural. God used the familiar as a reference for the unfamiliar. So now, when God wants to make evangelists out of fishermen, of all metaphors to use, he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Listen, when you read that, the impact would not be as dramatic as it was 
to original fishermen who heard him say it. Immediately they understood evangelism. That evangelism would take dedication, it would take skill, it would take intentionality. Just by that phrase, they understood a lot. The same way I have dedicated my time, my life, to my craft as a fisherman, as a fisherman, I must dedicate it to the Lord now. Just by that phrase. When God wants to make a prophet out of Moses and he says, what is in your hand? The same ordinary rod that he used to guide and guard sheep, he will now guide and guard his people. God uses the familiar to highlight the supernatural. And so the Bible tells us, for instance, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says the invisible things of God are clearly seen. Oh my God, listen, listen. God is such an artist, he paints pictures of the supernatural in the natural in such a way that by observing some things that he did in the natural, you can understand. So he says the invisible things of God are clearly seen in the things that he has made. And a text in the Old Testament puts it this way. It says, day unto day, uttereth speech. So, days are saying something about God. Night unto night shows knowledge. The songwriter says, Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works that your hands have made, I see the stars and hear the roaring thunder. Your power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul. So, there is a supernatural response to God and his manifestation in the natural. Say amen if you understand what I'm saying. And so the same thing applies to fire. The same way God used the rod of Moses to explain the prophetic. The prophetic, you guide and you guard. And, and you know, in the most metaphoric, dramatic way, Moses happened to be a shepherd also, so he could understand guidance and protection. And so God uses fire to teach us about revival. Why does he do that? Because number one, fire can be extinguished. Oh my God. Oh my God. What are the attributes of fire that teach us about revival? Number one, fire can be extinguished. And so the Bible tells us in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, quench not the spirit. I mean, this is a clear allusion to the spirit as fire. Just the same way fire can be extinguished, the activity of the spirit can be extinguished. So listen, there you have your answer. Why did revivals die? Men killed it. The same way if there is a fire anywhere in your neighborhood, there is a number to call. There are professionals when it comes to stopping fire. Even the biggest moves of God can be stopped. Are you listening to me? The biggest moves of God. Quench not the spirits. If you see God move anywhere, some things can stop it. And when you get aware of the fact that some things can stop it, you can protect. Listen, oh my God, some of you in it people, I, do, I hope you remember your roots. <laughs> Did they ever use firewood to cook rice for you in your house before? <laughs> ah, hey. Your gas, eh? 
cannot, there's a taste. Hey, my God. Hey, there's a taste. There's a taste. Have you been eating jollof rice and you're smelling the smoke? Yes. Huh. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we need to bring back the ancient landmarks. <laughs> you know, and there is what to do to protect fire from going off. Or you lit a candle and you're trying to go out and there's a lot of wind. What do you do? You cover it. The same thing can be done to the move of the spirit. Every generation that lost revival failed to do this at least for long. You can protect a revival. A revival can last forever. I am telling you. It can last forever. Please, are you listening to me? There's some of the common culprits, you know, guilty of stopping revivals, things like strife. You know, and all of that. So when things get big, things get political. When it was small, nobody cared whose name was on it, who took the credit, but I said, God big. You know, so these are the things. You know, people start saying, I, I am for Paul, I am for Apollos, you know, and all those kind of things. I can give more and more examples. But I want to tell you, God has never been responsible for any revival dying. Never been responsible. I've taught on this a thousand times. I'll probably do it a million times more. There is something called the fire triangle. We taught this in elementary science, that everywhere you see fire, it is because three things are acting upon each other at the same time. For fire, there must be heat, there must be fuel, and there must be something to catch fire. Something combustible. And where these three things act at the same time, you have fire. But listen, once upon a time, fire, I'm explaining revival. Once upon a time, fire seemed like an accident. The people who discovered fire must have been playing the same way you were playing as a toddler and you struck two stones together and you were amazed that there was a spark. Did you ever experience that? Gen Z, I don't trust you now. (laughs) You play rich that side. You don't look like who has played with sand before. (laughs) uh, Even your uh, has accent. (laughs) And you strike it accidentally. If it ever happened to you, you probably tried it again and it didn't work. And after every hundred trials, maybe it happens half or one time. But as time went on, we mastered the science of fire. We built a technology out of it. And now when you want to cook, it's not a prayer point. It's not a prayer point. You know what to press or what to strike and fire predictably will happen. But at the time the cavemen were struggling to figure out fire, they thought it was an accident. They thought it was by chance. They were wrong. It's the same mistake that the church is making. You thought that every time revival happened, it just happened randomly. I'm saying no, no. There is a science to it. If the altar is prepared, fire will fall. Fire will fall. I, in my own little way, I know a little bit of this. You know, <laughs> when... 
We started in the university, we had a program, and incredible things happened, incredible things. It was called Day of Fire. When I say incredible things, there was someone who lost his nail, fingernail, to Wicklow. As I was preaching, the nail was growing. Are you listening to me? So by the, by the time we were done, he started screaming, you know, and came to show me. I didn't know what it looked like before. But from the way he was screaming, you know, I said, I'm sorry, I don't know. You have to show me a picture or something. Unfortunately, fools were not allowed, you know. You know. <laughs> some things that I still cannot share now, some I don't really understand. Some I'm looking like, hmm. You know, there are people who have shared testimony for me. I prayed for them. <laughs> there was one recently. I called him out in a meeting, prayed for him, financial fever. When he shared the testimony, hmm. <laughs> I said, just Ask police first. <laughs> this one, <laughs> this which kind of favor be this? Yeah, there's somebody will go fear your pastor. Amen. Amen. You are very smart. <laughs> I've seen it many times. So we were worshiping. Her hands were up like this. By the time she brought it down, there was a handkerchief in her hand. So she brought it to me and said, <laughs> "You see, did." The early days were strange. <laughs> so she said, I said, give me, what is that? <laughs> I said, I said, I said, carry your thing, go out. <laughs> is it me that I gave you? <laughs> now, she took it to the hostel for two days. Every sick person she laid it on was healed. You know, so, you, you know, Seen strange things, but listen, the reason I said that was this. When he told someone just innocently went to tell a senior man of God, and this was my introduction to persecution. <laughs> the senior man of God said, ah, no, it's not him. That is just the environment. That is, is, is the environment. And the senior man, look at this. The senior man of God said, watch it. When he graduates, you won't see those miracles. I'm like, what? What? Well, <laughs> we took the same name to a cartoon. It worked. Took it to Ogun State. It worked. Took it to Ikeja. Ikeja City Mall. It worked. Took it to Canada. It worked. Took it to the UK. It's working. Listen, revival fire is predictable. There is a science to it. It's not by chance. When you understand it, when you catch it, you've caught it. Come on, are you with me? Not only can, can fire be extinguished, it can also be ignited. That's good news, isn't it? <laughs> An ammonia kapai. And so the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, please put it up as fast as you can. You know, the interesting thing is, what you're about to read is not even a prayer point, it's an instruction. Hi. Revival is an instruction. It's not a wish. 
is an instruction. Now that we are in this country, it is our prerogative, our responsibility to cause some trouble, some positive trouble. Spark a fire. Let something touch, touch fire. Amen, somebody. Everybody, Romans 12, 11, read together. One, two, go. Not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Hallelujah. Read again, loudest again, one, two, go. Not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Hallelujah. Your response was not fervent enough. Your response was not fervent enough. Hallelujah. The word translated fervent. In fact, in physics, it can be calculated. Because fervor is in degrees. It can be calculated in physics. There's a formula for calculating fervency. Fervency is a heat generated from boiling. Everyone as a child discovered you don't have to touch a hot kettle to be burnt by it. There was that day, either in a cooking pot or kettle, that the steam, just the steam, 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 the steam touched you and you were like, whoa, it was revelation. That steam is fervent. It, it can be calculated. And then he's using that to describe your devotion. He says, don't be slothful in business. You just come to church, no power, everything. I'm just, you know, I'm no, forgive, I'm, I'm not trying to share anybody, but you get what I'm saying? Just plus Jesus minus Satan Christianity. Cause small trouble. Cause, cause small trouble. Let God use you small, small, small. Trump 30, people of prayer. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let God use you. Let God cause small trouble. Hallelujah. God can use you to end things that are negative in your family. So the word of the Lord to you is not slothful in business, but fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit. Meaning when it's time to pray, pray well. Hey, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, Don't be lagging in devotion. They are still encouraging you. After six years of being in the Lord, have you read your Bible? Make sure you read it. What is wrong with you? Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Meaning when they see you, they know you're on fire. You know when Acts 6, oh my God, they were going to do ordinations in church. And the pastor didn't have to pick. He just said, look among you. People full of the spirit that will appoint to this business. And the people picked from amongst themselves. Because listen, we know the people amongst us that are on fire. It's true. If you're on fire, the people around you will know. You won't have to announce it. You don't have to put status updates. <laughs> eh? <laughs> you don't need fire emoji. Fire also carries light. It is self-announcing. It can burn. The impact cannot be denied. Come on, are you listening to me? So listen, there is no UK brand of Christianity. Fire is fire. Fire is fire in UK and in Nigeria. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Please help me nod someone by your side. Say, not slothful in business. But fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. 
this is this is how to start a fire. There is a way to pray. You don't go to Lazarus's tomb and say, Lazarus. <laughs> <laughs> You call his name and his surname, Lazarus Comfort. No, I'm just playing. That was not his surname. That was not his surname. <laughs> you shout, Lazarus! The Bible says they noticed it about Jesus. He spoke like someone who had authority. Authority comes with a tone. You get what I'm saying? When you are confident in the power of God, it will show. It will show. It will show. Lazarus, come forth. The last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried with a loud voice. If any man thirst. You see, so you have to understand, shouting when you're preaching is not a charismatic thing. It's not, oh, there are different denominations. Oh, the charismatics, they are the noisy ones. It's the Bible way. You are not deeper than Jesus. Jesus shouted. <laughs> you need to shout once in a while. You know what? If you understand your robot, pari wo, pari wo, pari wo. Yeah! Shout! Listen to me! Ha ha ha! Woo! Alright! Yeah! Hey, hold on! Give me a minute! If you want to take territories, you cannot be silent. Jericho will not fall to a whisper. Listen, and this is it. Check everywhere they try to stifle revivals. They try to limit the expressions of Christians. They try to make them ashamed to stand boldly for what they believe. The moment you start shaking in your conviction, they got you. Learn to be bold. Like Daniel, if you have been praying that way, don't stop now that you are famous. Open your window. Come on, are you with me? And pray. Because there is no silent way to bring down the walls of Jericho. I want to give you a few more seconds. Shout! Let the foundations of this city hear your voice. He says, they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. There must be a confidence, confidence. Listen, there's a reason that the spirit comes with boldness. Because without boldness, the spirit expression will not be evident. Boldness and the manifestation of the spirit go hand in hand. They must go hand in hand. And they were filled with the spirit and boldness. You preach the gospel with boldness. Don't be unsure. It works. You talk like it works. Preach like it works. Walk like it works. Ha ha ha. Glory to God. It works. It works. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Please be seated and let me try to finish this. And of course, the last thing to know about fire is that it can spread. 
it can spread. This is the beautiful thing. If I want to light one million candles, I only need one match. Oh God. If I want to light one billion candles, I only need one match because fire can spread. Two foxes tied by tail, symbol of unity, on fire can shake the whole nation. Come on, are you listening to me? It can spread. Have you ever come to church? I want to teach you something that you must do consciously. Have you ever come to church and maybe you were feeling a little tired, but the person by your side was praying and, you know, he just stared you subconsciously. He started praying to Fire can spread. So now you can consciously do things that can encourage the people around you. When they see you. Because you see, when a man is functioning in the things of the spirit, every other man knows, can identify that he was born to do the same. It will call them in. There is almost, you see, examples are bigger than sermons. When it comes to doctrinal consistency, of course, sermons are important. But there is something about an example. When you, when you see someone do what you were born to do, it will draw you out of your complacency. Fire can't spread. The fire of Jesus will spread through you like never before. Amen. I said it will spread through you like never before. Amen. I said it will spread through you like never before. And history is replete with stories of one man, one woman, somewhere, starting a fire. And the community was lit by the person's impact. That's what God is about to do in your city. So what are the rules of revival? What are the rules of revival? In no particular order, I want to share with you the rules of revival because like I told you, if you do what they did, what will happen? Number one is community. In history, let me tell you something. If it is one person, it is not a revival. By the nature of revival is, by that name, it emphasizes a spread. When you talk about virality, something that spread, if it ended with one man, it was not a revival. And so from history, you will discover that every revival happens in community. There were 120 people in a room. And suddenly, listen, the reason I'm saying this is because when the devil tries to stop the believers from gathering, it's an attack on revival. Come on, are you listening to me? It's an attack on revival. It's an attack on revival. Check every revival that died. Some people got tired. When they started dropping out one after the other, the discouragement spread. That's what happens. And so the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, I can quote it verbatim, you know, offhand, but I want you to see it. Hebrews 10, 25. Everybody read it together, want to go. 
this, this is a principle of revival. Listen, it says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the matter of some is. Now, look at the previous verse, verse 24. Go to the previous verse. It says, let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. I don't really like NKJV the way it put it. KJV says, provoke one another to love and good works. So this is how revival fire spreads. By proximity. That when someone is on fire and you maintain community, it will jump on you. And so he says, for revival to be sustainable, community must be protected. That's all. That's all. If you ever attended a carol service or anything where, you know, candles were being used and your candle went off, immediately, the person by your side. That's all. That's all. By the time community is no longer emphasized, the devil is able to successfully stop you from that. That's all. And then the next thing that is very important is tenacity. There must be tenacity. Listen, Jesus said, Neplo, oh my God, listen, listen, listen. The principle is very simple but very important. In fact, non-negotiable. You shall seek me and find me after that you've sought me with the whole of your heart. Meaning there must be no part of your heart that is okay with complacency. Do you understand what I'm saying? Community is not enough if the people there are not really ready for God. Every revival was marked by determination. Where John Knox says, Scotland or I die. Now, that might have been extreme, but he was not going to take no for an answer. You know, when we say we envision all men celebrating endless life in Christ Jesus, some people doubt it. When we say a billion souls in 10,000 cities, some people doubt it. But that's not the protocol of revival. For revival, you must not only believe in the possibility, you must insist on it. Are you with me? <laughs> you must. It, that, young, that man of God, John Knox, said, give me Scotland. I want Scotland. He was not okay with just coming to church, doing his part, and going home. Lord, I want the whole city. I want... So, for, 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 for you to experience a revival, God must expand your horizon and vision. See more people coming to the Lord. See, see more. Plan for more. Plan for more. Plan for more. Plan for more! Do you believe... I mean, it starts with just believing. Believing what God can do. And it's easy when you realize God has done it before. If God in a revival brought 100,000 people in the space of six months into the kingdom, it shouldn't be too hard for you to envision in two years' time will be 5,000. I mean, in UK. Uh -huh. 
no, not in UK, maybe in Birmingham. Uh What I'm saying has been done before. Let God expand your vision. Expand your vision. That's why I keep telling you, God told Abraham, count the stars. Let God plant a supernatural vision, a supernatural image in your mind. You will never see a revival that has not first happened in your spirit. It must happen first in your spirit. See men of every language, every tribe, every tongue, coming to the knowledge of the Christ. And through you, amen, somebody. Amen. See, through us, through us. Every, tribe, every tribe, every tongue, every, tongue. every culture, every through, us. through us. Do you believe that? Yes, so shall it be. Amen. So what is number one? Amen. What is number two? Yes. And number three is prayer. Never has there been a revival without prayer. Never. And when I mean prayer, I mean fervent and continued prayer. Thirty minutes is nice, but that's not what I'm referring to. One hour is nice, but that's not what I'm referring to. Fervent and continued. If we do what they did, we will see what they saw. Come on, are you with me? And so the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. You see, the folks in the upper room were praying. Waiting for the advent of the Spirit, they were praying. Prayer is non-negotiable if a people will see a revival. And we must learn to do it together. Have you heard me teach on corporate prayer? An encounter I had with the Lord, where the Lord told me, He says, look at all the places in the Bible where people gather together to pray. What do they have in common? And then, I I mean, I went even back to the Old Testament. I started, I mean, upper room, you know, in Acts chapter 4 as well, you know, I mean, Acts chapter 13, um, even maybe the three, Daniel and his friends. You know, every time people gather to pray, something extraordinary happened every time. So there is no biblical precedence for corporate prayer without power being manifest. No biblical precedence. No single example that people gathered together to pray and something extraordinary did not happen. So listen, if you had that mentality, every time we pray together, you will expect something to happen. Something must happen. Come on, are you listening to me? I said, something must happen. Hi, something will happen in your life. Something will happen in your life. Something is about to happen in your life. Something big, good, and positive. Something for the kingdom. Something for your family. Hallelujah. So what is number one? What is number two? What is number three? I want you to see with the eyes of the Spirit a mighty move of the Spirit in this city. 
Thank you, Jesus. A mighty move of the Spirit. Let God take you like he took Abraham and show you what he's going to do. Let him show you what he's going to do. Thank you, Jesus. Let him show you what he's about to do. Let him show you what he's about to do. And I want you to want what he's about to do. Want it. Want it. Want it. Want it. Want what he's about to do. 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 Want what is about to do. Want what is about to do. Ay, 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 Now, in the next few minutes, I wish I had enough time to teach on this. The power of spiritual imagination. The first time the gospel was preached to a man, it was preached with pictures. Abraham, look at the stars. So, God wants to expand your mind. Because unto him that is able to do, exceeding abundantly above what you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. There is a role of the mind in what God can do through you. Come on, are you with me? So, do this prophetically. I want you to envision the best version of yourself. Like, there are some things you might be afraid to see God do through your life. But see it with your spirit now. See it with your spirit now. I'm giving you a few seconds. See the fire of Jesus on you like never before. You healing the sick and casting out devils. Casting out devils with ease. Witnessing Jesus. Some of you might be called you know, beyond the lay ministry. See yourself reaching people for Jesus in a phenomenal way. You have to imagine revival. Imagine revival. Imagine. That's the last point. Imagine. Oh my God. Fire is falling. Imagine revival. Imagine revival. He will use you just as he has said. He will use you just as he has said. He will use you just as he has said. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 
0809-996-7000. Blessings.